So the Old Testament scripture uh, this morning comes from uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. And then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he, he said further, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on the account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, the cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. And the New Testament scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced, and when they, saw the, when they saw the Lord, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. May we be grateful for the hearing, reading, and understanding of this word. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the Holy Scriptures. I thank you that they are inspired by you and that you speak to us through them. They are our home base. They are how we know about you, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, the church, the story of your people. So, Lord, help us uh, to open our eyes and ears. Help us to continue to reflect on maybe a piece of that scripture that stuck out to us for whatever reason. And, Lord, I pray in these coming moments that you would speak through me and in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the, um, if you're a sports fan, the... the um, NFL football season is getting close to coming to an end. We're a week away from, from Super Bowl Sunday, and um, I'm not going to ask your opinion on the teams that are in the Super Bowl, because 
know a lot of local teams are, are not in it this year, but every year, if, if you watch the uh, NFL playoffs, they're, they're kind of, um, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of excitement. It's just kind of a different atmosphere. If you've ever been to a, a playoff game in general and a um, professional sport or just a, any other sport, it's just the intensity is a, is a little different. And um, as many fans know, um, the teams work extremely hard throughout the year. Uh, they've gone through highs and lows. They've been running since last July and August, doing uh, all sorts of workouts, and, and, and they hardly have time to, to stop and take a break, even in the offseason. But they've played 16 games, those teams that made the playoffs. They've played 16 games. They've won a majority of those games, or they wouldn't make it in the playoffs. And then each week, they have to win in those playoffs in order to get to the Super Bowl. But each team knows what it takes and they know what their objective is at the beginning of the year, even in training camp. They know why it is they are a team and what their goal is, what their purpose is, what their mission is. And it is to make the Super Bowl, but not only make the Super Bowl, but to win it. They want to be champions. They want to be the best team in the world for that year. And in the case of football, looking back in the past, oftentimes athletes are measured um, not only by how gifted they were, but but how many championships did they win? A lot of times when you debate who the best athletes are, you ask how, um, how many championships did they win? How often did they lead their team to, to that promised land, so to speak, to that place that, that so few get to? And, you know, they're, they're out on that field to, to advance to the next game, to win, to be the best. That's their purpose. And uh, a former owner who, um, of one of the NFL teams who passed away some years ago, his, his whole slogan was, just win, baby. That was it, just win. That, that's what he wanted. That's what he desired. And it's good to, to have that purpose and that, that trajectory to know where you want to end up, to know where you want to go. How many of you remember um, riding on bumper cars? Or maybe you still do. Um, I think my knees are up to my ears when I try that now, so I can't do it as well. Um, but um, I, I used to love uh, riding bumper cars. And um, as you know, um, it can be very chaotic. And there's not really a clear path. Um, there's just kind of a direction that the, the brave soul that's standing out on the floor, that when people are going the wrong way, it's like, no, we're going this way around. But, but you can just kind of go wherever you please, and, and you can have fun doing it, and you bump into each other. And oftentimes, if you watch this, especially um, when you have a variety of ages out there, there, there's just not a clear sense of where everybody's going. It's just kind of everybody's kind of doing their own thing and going their own way. And um, there, there was a, a church consultant that one time um, shared this with a group I was in and uh, talked about how a lot of time, a lot of times churches, ministries in churches um, can be bumper car ministries, uh, that there can be so much going on and they can be good things, but oftentimes they may not be going in the same direction or they might not have the, the same trajectory or the same end goal or purpose, whereas when you have train tracks, um, there's a clear set um, trajectory where those tracks are going. And when you get on the train, you are going to go where those tracks lead. 
And for, for vision for ministry in the local church is, is to be a, not a bumper car ministry, but a train track ministry where we are um, all on the train and the train is heading in the same direction and we're clear about where it is we're going, what our purpose is, what, what our mission is. And I'm uh, hoping in the next few weeks to kind of lay down the tracks, so to speak, and, and encourage us and remind us um, uh, what God... Um, is, is, has called all Christians to do and what that looks like in the life of the local church and, and why we exist. And uh, there was a, a study done one time by a guy named Tom Rayner. He's a Christian who used to help churches and consult with them and things like that. And uh, he shares um, about um, a church in the 1970s. And in the 70s, they were averaging about 700 people in worship attendance and uh, eventually that church ended up closing uh, some years or decades later. And after um, Tom Rayner looked back and saw the church in its final years before it eventually had to close its doors, he noted several things he observed about the church. And one of those things he observed was that in those years, um, as they were getting close to closing their doors, he noticed that the church had no clarity on why it existed. Uh, there was no sense of knowing why it is that we're here. There was no uh, vision. There was no mission. There was, there was no purpose, it seemed. And sometimes, you know, we can just be okay with coming weekly to worship and maybe getting involved with a committee here or there. But sometimes we can do that out of pattern. And uh, we can even do that sometimes without even thinking about the purpose of it or why it is that we are doing it. And I think it's important that the church um, globally is aware and understanding why it is that we do what we do, why it is that we come to worship. And we've talked a little about that before, but, you know, coming to this place for worship and prayer and singing and, and fellowship, those are all wonderful aspects of the life of the church. Praising God and giving thanks to God is, is part of our Christian walk and journey. Receiving communion is so grace-filled. Experiencing baptisms in the community of faith is, is such a joy when people enter the church in that way. But, but there's more than that, isn't there? There's more to, to what God is calling us to do, calling us to be. And in, um, in his book called Disciples Making Disciples, uh, Reverend Steve Manscar um, talks about four different types of congregations. And one of the types of congregations that he mentions is the church-centered congregation. And he talks about how church-centered congregation, uh, their mission, the mission of those congregation is, is focused on membership, it's focused on staff and the building. So resources and activities and energy are all donated um, towards meeting the social um, and the uh, emotional and spiritual needs uh, of the congregation, and of course, there's absolutely a place for that. And in a church-centered congregation, following Christ and the gospel may be more for those who are just interested in discipleship, and very little of their time is actually devoted to serving outside of the church walls. Another type of congregation he mention, mentions is the program-centered congregation, where that type of congregation, their attention is all on meeting the needs of the members. Um, and, and focusing on quality programs in the church. Pastors and the staff organize programs with others in the church. And the goal of a program-centered church is to provide a menu of options that attract and keep 
and keep as many members as possible. There's a beginning and end point. So it's, it's a, it's a four-week study or it's an eight-week study or it's a what, what are we doing next kind of thing. And there's different options. And, and there's, of course, a place for that too. But these programs help increase our knowledge and learning, which is important. But again, discipleship just might be one of many programs that are offered. The other, another type of congregation uh, that he mentions is the pastor-centered congregation, where the church has a dynamic pastor or a winsome or highly effective pastor, and people are drawn to the church because of the pastor. People are drawn to the church because of the preaching of the pastor, and, and therefore these congregations can be shaped by the pastor's preferences. In these types of churches, often when the pastor is moved to another church or when the pastor retires or for whatever reason, uh, the congregation ends up suffering uh, because it was all um, either intentionally or not intentionally, it was pastor-focused, pastor-centered. And members who are even devoted to that pastor end up leaving the congregation when that pastor is moved. And certainly in the Methodist church, you know, we've seen that. Uh, I've seen that in my own life um, growing up in the Methodist church. And of course, it's important to have strong pastors and, and leaders in the church, absolutely. But you can see where that, that boundary could get crossed. And the fourth type of congregation he talks about is the Christ-centered congregation. And these congregations keep Jesus Christ at the center of the purpose and the mission of the church. The church and the programs and the pastors, the lay people, they all come together and they work together to equip the members of the church for joining Christ in Christ's mission in the world. And that's one of the roles as pastor. Pastors are, are called to help equip the lay people to do ministry uh, in the world and in the, in the context of the local church. So the life of a Christ-centered congregation is for everyone to work together to help serve and to witness to Jesus Christ and Christ's mission in the world. Scripture teaches us that the church is not a building where the congregation gathers, but the church is a community of people who are centered in on the life and the mission of Christ. So what is the mission for the church? What what is the, the train tracks that we get on? Why is it important? Well, first of all, mission um, comes from a Latin word called missio, and that word means sent. So when we think about it, really, mission is what the congregation does to touch the lives of others in the neighborhood and in the community in which the church is located and in the world, really. But sometimes we can allow ourselves to get distracted if we're not careful. We can forget about the mission of the church, and we can get in the pattern of just coming to church. And, and coming to church and being the church look completely different, don't they? Those are two different things. And when we, re, when we remember that, it's, that the mission is what Jesus has asked us to do, we keep, in, we keep that in mind uh, with everything that we do uh, as a church. We try not to lose focus of this calling. So I want, I want you to hear this today. Uh, first and foremost, our mission is given to us by Jesus, that the mission of the church is given to us. We know by Scripture what the mission of the church is. I can remember uh, in school when I had trouble um, focusing. Sometimes, I mean, I still have trouble focusing, but um, when, uh, you know, squirrel, you know, that kind of thing. And... Um, 
And uh, see, I forgot what I was saying there. Um, yeah, in school, I, I would have trouble focusing. And um, I can remember those moments where all of a sudden I'd look around and everybody's like doing something. And they're, they're like, like they heard the directions and, they're, and I'm like looking around I'm like, what? Um, what are, and you'd have to like whisper to somebody like, what are we supposed to be doing? Like, what is happening right now? Like, what? And then you get in trouble for talking and all that stuff. And, and, you, and you just, there was no focus on my end, but um, I would have to look around and, and try to understand and ask around, what is it that we're supposed to be doing? And you know, as a church, we're not supposed to be sitting around saying, what is it that we're supposed to be doing? The church's mission has been given to us by Jesus, and it's, in, uh, and it's in Scripture. It's in what some call the Great Commission, and Jesus tells the disciples basically to go out and be disciples that make disciples. And in this day, making disciples um, in the first century would have been seen something that the rabbis did. Uh, the ones who taught the law, they, and those are, but Jesus is saying, you're not making disciples of yourself. You're not teaching people to follow you. I want you to go and teach people to follow my teachings. Um, everything that I have taught you, I want you to go out to the world and, and teach to others, and I want you to invite them into a relationship with God, and I want you to experience, I want them to experience God's love um, by you sharing that with them, and and as the scripture says today, Jesus says, as, I, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Go. I am sending you. And when we make disciples of Christ, Jesus also says to go out and to make disciples, but to baptize them uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And to, that's a doorway into the life of the church, that, the, that baptism uh, offers to us, uh, among many other things. But, you know, we go through life seeking to learn from Jesus each and every day and to follow those teachings that we see in Scripture. You know, Jesus called 12 disciples to come and follow him. Now Jesus tells us to now go into the world and make disciples. The church is an extension of the ministry of Jesus. You've heard it sometimes said that, you know, we are the hands and feet of Christ. Think about that, that, that we are an extension. We are the body of Christ, that we are to go out and be like Christ in the world. So as Gethsemane United Methodist Church, I think this is our mission. I think our mission is clearly given to us by Jesus to, to be people who make disciples, to go out and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And the world around us will look different when that happens, that, that we can partner with God in, in transforming the world. That's an amazing gift that God has given to us to go out and to grab the hand of God, so to speak, and to get involved in the community and in relationships with people who aren't a part of the church and to, to be the love of Christ and to make disciples. And that happens in, in many different ways. And uh, as the United Methodist Church, um, I think the mission statement uh, that, that echoes um, from our denominational level is, is, uh, is just that. And there, there's no sense in reinventing the wheel. And uh, because we're called to make disciples. That's what Jesus gives us. And um, so I, last year, I, I talked to the leadership of the church. We looked at it through the year. And at our charge conference, we, we voted to adopt our, uh, that mission statement of the church um, that our denomination uh, actually has. And, uh, and as we journey into 2019, uh, I want us to focus on this statement. I want us to think about this statement. I want us to, 
to, to be a church that is, that is uh, continued to be dedicated towards what it means uh, to make disciples. And I'll share this statement with you. Uh, the mission statement uh, for our church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. To be people, and that's twofold, that make disciples of Jesus Christ, but also when that happens, the world around us is transformed. And the world around us and our communities and, and everything begins to, to start to look like the kingdom of God uh, at, on earth as in heaven. And this is something I want us to embrace. I want us to remember this. I want us to think about this as a church, to, um, to think about this as our calling. Uh, this is going to be in our bulletins every week. This is going to be on the screens every week. This is going to be said by me every week. This is going to be on the top of the agenda item of everything we do in the meetings and everything of our church. Let's always remember the train tracks or what Jesus calls us to do is to go and make disciples. So what are we doing as a church to do that? How are we making disciples of Jesus Christ? How are we outside of these doors making disciples, getting to know people, getting to hear their stories? How are we doing this? And there's so many different ways that, that this can be done, and we'll talk about them. But one of the um, important uh, things uh, that I'll share, too, is, is the question can become, what does that look like? What does it look like? I mean, that sounds great to make disciples, but I'm not sure what it looks like to even, what, what does it mean to be one? What are some things that we can do to be disciples of Jesus Christ other than just believing in Christ? What are some practices? What are some things that, that we can do to be healthy disciples of Jesus Christ? Because if we're going to make disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to be healthy disciples, don't we? We, we have to be disciples ourselves and, and living that out and um, and, and that's something um, that I'm going to talk about in the coming weeks of what does, it look, what does it mean to actually be a disciple. And a lot of these things, obviously, we're doing. We're, we, we live our faith. We, we share our faith. We try to represent Christ in the world and all that we do. And, you know, whether we have a mission statement or not as a church, making disciples is still our calling. It's still what Jesus, it's still what Jesus calls us to go and to do and to go out into the world so let's embrace that. Let's embrace that calling. Let's embrace that mission. Whether it's praying with someone or, like I said, listening to someone's story or sharing what you believe with them or inviting others to church, uh, there, there, there are many ways we can invite someone to come and to follow Jesus. And as Christians, we remember daily our call to be a disciple, to invite others by love and grace to be a disciple as well. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement in the uh, 18th century, uh, once said this. He said, I want the whole Christ for my Savior. I want the whole Bible for my book. I want the whole church for my fellowship and the whole world for my mission field. And as Wesley would famously say, uh, you know, in, in, in that day, the, uh, you know, he was getting in trouble going into the Church of England and, and uh, he wasn't, once the Methodist movement started and started to splinter from the Anglican church and uh, some of the things he wanted to see reformed, he, um, he, he was denied the pulpit. He wasn't allowed to preach in some places. And um, eventually he would start field preaching and he would go outside and see the impact it was having on the poor, that he would go out in the minefields and, and just preach. And he preached in the open air and that was not common in that day. And uh, that's when Wesley would famously say when you know, the bishop was trying to give him a hard time, he'd say, look, the world is my parish. Um, I don't have to be in a building. 
the, the, the world is my parish. Everywhere I go is my mission field. And, and, and let's think about that, that, that everywhere we go is, is our mission field. That when we leave the building, the church is leaving the building. And we are going out into the world and thinking about discipleship and how we live as disciples and how God is, is calling us to also go and make disciples. So Jesus has, has called us to follow his teachings and to be on mission wherever we go. Let's think about that this week. Let's be the church that, that gets on the train and, and stays on the train to focus on making disciples of Jesus Christ so that the world around us may be transformed. Let's receive the Holy Spirit and embrace it together. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we give you great thanks. Lord, forgive us 